Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. If you're in a career and you're thinking about what's next, your frame of reference is only what's in front of you. It's only what your colleagues are doing. It's like, oh, they go work for a bank or they go work for another consulting firm. Like That's what you're comparing it to. Whereas if you actually go and disappear for a few months, you really get this like, crazy different set of perspectives. That was a little clip from my interview today with Will Ricard, who wrote a book about his travels through some of the stands along the Silk Road in a pursuit to find happiness, find out what happiness really means and what is happiness really. We dig into that topic and it's a big one here on today's show. We also talk about how this particular set of destinations plays in to what he discovered about himself and happiness while he was traveling along the Silk Road after quitting a corporate job and doing the anti-bucket list thing. (laughs) I'll explain what that is before we get into the interview. You might want to take the anti-bucket list approach after hearing that. And of course, a lot of topics swirling around the theme of happiness. And there's a lot of nuance to this topic, right? We talk about gratitude a lot on the show. It's something that I think is so important in life to have that gratitude. But sometimes you just aren't happy with a certain situation and gratitude's not going to cut the mustard or it'll make you better for a little bit, but you feel like you need to do something about that. On the other hand, we can fall into this trap of pursuing more, right? Always pursuing more and never really being content. So what does all this mean? And, and how does it relate to travel and what we're talking about today and these destinations in particular? And we dig into all of that in the interview. We also talk about the importance of having a purpose, how to stay calm in dangerous situations when you're traveling, why being enthusiastic for something is important and different than being passionate about something that you pursue, and so much more. It's all happening in today's interview. Plus, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in the community, some extra props, because they took me on a little seaside adventure. That felt good. (laughs) I'll share what that's all about, and who knows what other surprises we'll get into, but we got to get into it now. So let's buckle up. Why don't you strap in, grab your favorite beverage, relax, enjoy a little you time. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. 
Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little bit of travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. You heard at the top of the show, we're covering a lot of ground today, and happiness, I think, is an important topic, especially now. I mean, a lot of us have been inside, hasn't been a normal year, to say the least, and maybe some of us have found ourselves in in dark places for periods of time. Uh, Certainly, I have had bouts of, I wouldn't say extreme depression or anything like that. I wasn't laying in bed and couldn't get up, but definitely this winter was rough. You know, I couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. It's still pretty locked down here in Norway where I live, but, you know, it's, it's much better when the sun's out, I guess, and uh, the birds are starting to chirp and you feel like you're seeing a little light at the end of the tunnel. And it's it's a tough thing, right? It's a daily thing that we have to kind of do to keep a positive mindset and do what we need to do to take care of ourselves to maintain a level of maybe someone called happiness, contentedness. I don't know what word you want to use. I feel like content maybe is a better word because there's an expectation sometimes around happiness and that can happen a lot, I think, with travel as well, right? We, we book a trip and we have this expectation that X, Y, or Z trip or, or destination or person we're going to meet or whatever is going to make us happy, right? And, and chances are probably it will on many levels, but if the expectation is too strong, I feel like that can be a problem too because you're setting yourself up to think you're going to have some certain emotion instead of just us taking in the present moment for what it is. And whatever, we don't have to talk about it all right now. We're going to dig into this topic on the show, but I just think happiness is such a, an interesting topic, especially as it relates to travel and, and, and being that people sometimes choose travel because they are unhappy or discontent and they feel the road calling and, and the road might equal happiness in some ways. So you're going to hear about Will's experience and what he learned around happiness for himself. And in particular, as I mentioned, how it relates to these specific destinations, because you can't separate that out, right? There's a certain culture and a a certain vibe, and there are people you meet along the way in in a particular place that your physical body is. And and you can't extract that from the situation and just say, well, this is just about happiness and travel. Well, no, this very much relates to the destinations we're, we're covering today, which is a Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, and... Kazakhstan, part of the old Silk Road, and what a fascinating part of the world. I would love to travel in this part. I have not been there, and I just looked up on Wikipedia a little bit about the Silk Road, which I've read about before, but I just wanted to share a bit with you before we get into this interview because it's an important part of this, and the Silk Road, if you're not familiar with it, it was and is, I'm quoting Wikipedia now here, a network of trade routes connecting the East and West and was central to the economic, cultural, political, and religious interactions between these regions from the 2nd century BC to the 18th century. That is a long amount of time. And you think about the convergence of all these cultures and and how this being a trade route, you know, before the internet and how, how 
customs and, and, and language and all these types of things that, that travel that aren't physical, you know, people or humans, but these things are traveling too. these entities, right? Language and culture and uh, food and, and all of this stuff. And, and it really still, of course, impacts the world that we live in today. If anybody has recommendations for this area or they want to share more about it or anything else at all, you think you can provide some value to the community, please get in touch. You can always drop me a line or just say hi, jason at zerototravel.com. I also have a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message really easily. I love to get audio messages because I can share them on the podcast and I can hear your voice, which is a wonderful thing. You get to hear my voice all the time. It's not fair. I want to hear your voice too. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. It would be nice though. So feel free to get in touch reach out anytime. Okay, now let's slip and slide into today's interview segment and I will see you on the other side, my friend. I'm on with uh, Will Ricard, who just published a new book called The Silk Road to Happiness, untold stories from Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan? Tajikistan. Tajikistan. Tajikistan and Kazakhstan. The stands. The stands. I'm really excited to have you on. You got a, a wild story that kind of led up to this trip. And and sort of the crux of this book is it's really based on your experience traveling the stands and the Silk Road and answering that age-old question, what makes people happy? What makes you happy? What does happiness mean? So anyway, Will, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thanks, man. Super happy to be here. It's a good topic, the happiness. You got up at like 5 a.m. for this because you're all the way in Canada and I'm, I'm in Norway. So I got to give you a shout out for that. <laughs> Have you had your coffee yet? No, I haven't. But but I just made tea. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, am I going to go back to bed after this? So I don't know. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to have coffee in case I'm like lying here awake. So um, oh, nah, I'll, man. I'll, okay. I'll do that if I... Yeah, if I uh, if I stay awake, I'll have coffee after this. So all, all good though, man. I, I, I didn't actually tell you I was in Canada. Okay, that's okay. My my goal is to get you so hyped that you you're not gonna want to go to bed. You're gonna be like, oh man, I'm way too amped yeah. up. Yeah, well, hopefully your uh, your audience feels so hyped as well after listening to this, man. So, <laughs> well, I'm excited. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, anytime you get into this question of happiness, it's it's like, what what does happiness mean? You know, is there a really a universal definition for happiness? Is it totally subjective, of course? I mean, there's so much around it. I was actually looking up the definitions between content and happy because I was like, well, what, you know, what is the difference there? And uh, the, the definition I looked up content is in a state of peaceful happiness. This is according to the dictionary. And happiness is the state of being happy. So, <laughs> whatever that means, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, well, we're going to get into all that. And, and I, I want to hear how, your experience on the road kind of maybe answered or didn't answer that question, but we got to go as we normally do back to where it all started for you because you have a kind of an interesting story on, on how you ended up in the specific destinations. But also what I'm really interested in is what, what made you choose this project and, and this exploring this idea of happiness, but talk about life in Australia. What, what did you what did you do coming? Did you go to university? What did you do coming out? What was kind of your your path? Yeah, so so rewind a few years now, and and I was working for the world's largest consulting firm, right? So it's one of these big global firms that you know has offices all around the world and hundreds of thousands of professionals, and 
um, I was living in a my my beachfront apartment in in Manly Beach in Sydney. You know, east facing. Wake up each morning at the sunrise, and you know, go for a swim at the beach and and whatever else. And um, you know, then I'd I'd take the ferry over to the city, uh, to you know, across Sydney Harbour and overlooking the oh sorry, and you know, you you see the Opera House and the the Harbour Bridge. Um, go to my my high rise building to work and you know solve some interesting problems and and whatever else um you know i was also finishing my master's degree at the time in in accounting um and and doing my professional accounting certificate you know which is which is pretty well regarded like if you're <laughs> if you want to go down that path right so you know everyone everyone around me was pleased to see me doing so well right because you know from the outside it looks like it's a pretty good path right um you know these firms are pretty hard to get into you know in, in my business school like like and i'm you know this was like the top firm that people want to get into, right? And so, I guess you could say it's a pretty prestigious uh, company. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so you know, and there's a reason, right? These firms are slick. You know, there's there's a lot of opportunity. The my, my superiors were very impressive. Um, you know, they're just just incredibly intelligent, and the people around you are, are very inspiring, right? Um, so you know, it's hard not to be inspired working in a place like this. Um, anyway, I was approaching that two year mark. Um, and you know, age 28, sort of just thinking like, what's next? Like, am I, am I sticking around in this or am I still like, what am I doing with my life? Right. Do I want to keep going? Cause, uh, I don't know. I, I'm sort of getting a bit antsy, itchy feet, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I'd had this idea for a book, which I'd been discussing with my friend, um, you know, weeks earlier, or I'd had it in my head for months earlier about, you know, traveling to, you know, far off destinations, um, and discussing a particular theme. Uh, taking f- photos of people and then writing a book about their lives, right? Why a book? Why did that capture your attention? I mean, because you could just do a gap year, or you could take off and travel. You don't necessarily have to do a project around it. Yeah, it? I mean, because I read a lot, right? I spend my time reading, and and those who read probably get lots of ideas, right? I mean, anyone who writes books, they probably read a lot of books. <laughs> so I don't know. I had so many ideas in my head, and so I was thinking, like, you know, why not? Like, why not? Like, try and try and figure this out. I mean, I'd never written a book before, and I wasn't a I'd been a, like a, a failed photographer earlier on in my life, uh, but that's a whole separate story. <laughs> um, and and I'd never written a book or anything like that. But I was like, I, I want to try this out, you know. So I'm thinking like, I could ask my work for a few weeks off, but I don't know, three weeks, two weeks, not enough. I I, I want to go for longer than that. Um, and you know, the, the the more I thought about it, the more distracted I got. Right. Um, so, you know, that's not great, particularly if you're on a on a good path. But you're sort of thinking, yeah, is this is this right for me? And so. As it was this thing, by. like this nagging thing that just kind yes, of kept hanging around. Exactly. You know? And and so I write this like in, you know, in the book, like as days went by, I mean, my thoughts, they drifted away from my spreadsheets and onto the, you know, greener pastures of somewhere in Latin America or Africa or Asia or, or somewhere, right? Um, you know, and so um, I I left work one day and I was I was reading the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware, if you haven't read it. Um, yeah, well, she, she we had her on the show. Ah, I missed that one. Right. Yeah. So, so we she, can, if people can search the archives if they want to listen uh, to that interview. That, but yeah, awesome woman. That's amazing. A, yeah, book. it's an amazing book. And, and you know, one of the things she finds is that you know, I think the the number one regret is that people they lived a life that was according to other people's uh, goals and values and didn't chase what they what they really wanted. Right. So I sort of started to feel this like you know crisis overwhelming me. Like, okay, like is this going to be me? I mean, I'm only 28. There was, and, and I actually had I read an article and and I saw it recently, and it was called like the 28 year old existential crisis. You know, you're at that age. Like, is it too late to change my career? Am I too old to be going traveling? Or like, what what do I do? Right. Um. So I called up my dad and I'm like, Dad, like I'm 
sort of having a bit of a crisis. I'm, I'm thinking about like quitting and, and, and just going and just traveling somewhere. And he's, he's like, but he's like, Will, you'll be making a million dollars in 15 years. And I'm like, yeah, 15 years. Like, what do I do until then? Right? Like, that's like, it's just like classic baby boomer thing to say, you know, I'm like, I, that's like, I don't know what I'm going to do until then. Right. And so, you know, he, he like drives to my house, picks me up and, and takes me over to his, his wife's house. And, and she's like, you know, she goes, do you know how many people would give their left arm for your job? And I'm like, yes, like I get it, but you're not giving me the answer that I want. Right. Um, you know, so as days went by, my, my the commitment to my job it, it it dwindled, and and I thought back to you know the book Into the Wild. If you haven't read it, and and um, I know uh, one of your hosts talked about it in a recent episode. But you know what he says in the book is is you know I I think careers are a 20th century invention, and I don't want one. Right, and that just resonated. Right, I, I just sort of started questioning the whole the whole system, the whole society. You know, what's the point of all this? Is this just made up? And I don't need this. I don't want this. It's it's just a way to 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 keep people controlled, you know. So it was pretty depressing sort of thoughts, right? Um, so, you know, I'm having this sort of crisis. Like I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and and I was walking down the beach, and and I opened up Instagram, and I saw a guy that I'd met, uh, and he posted a picture um, of him, and it said on the Silk Road. He was in we- uh, Western China, and I was like, Silk Road of I don't really know what that is. And I sort of looked at the map and it was next to Kazakhstan. I was like, oh, I literally know nothing about Kazakhstan. And I was like, all right, this is this is my sign. I'm doing it. So I, I ran home before I could change my mind, booked a flight to Kazakhstan. And the next day, um, I would drop out of my master's degree, drop out of my accounting studies and quit my job. Um, so I would just go. I'd book, I had a flight for, for six weeks, I think, from sorry, six weeks from the date or even less, four weeks from the date of, of, uh, of um, you know, the day I booked it, I would just go with no contacts, no plan, no, no uh, language, sorry, knowledge of foreign languages. Um, hadn't really looked at them. I mean, I looked at a map a little bit, no learning planet, nothing. I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, mean, I mean, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely one way to do it, right? If you're in that situation, you're having the existential crisis. I'm talking to you, the listener. It's like, well, that's certainly one way, right? You just book the flight. You're like, well, I guess I have to quit my job now, or I lose all exactly. this money on the flight. Talk about built-in <laughs> accountability, right? Exactly. Well, so you got that's right. Well, you game, booked it, right? <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. And, and that was it. Like, as I remember saying that, I was like, well, any talk of my manager to try and talk me out of it, it's like, sorry, man, I booked the flight. <laughs> like. You know, this was like. Well, what, how was, did they react when you came in and said said that? <laughs> well, it was kind of funny because because one of my colleagues, um, he'd said, "Look, I'm I'm quitting." This is weeks at weeks earlier. He's like, "I'm quitting." I'm, and they're like, "Where are you going?" They're like, "Oh, I'm going to to the competitor firm." And 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 they they marched him out, right? Because in any of these big companies, if you if if you go to a competitor, they'll just march you out on the spot. They'll say, "All right, leave your laptop here. Like, we're we're marching you out, right? Like, see you later. Thanks, but you know." you can't like we don't like this sort of thing and, and i said that to my manager i'm like are they gonna march me out like they did to nick and he goes no mate like he went to a competitor you're going to kazakhstan like he's like <laughs> you, you know you're welcome to stay uh for the next few weeks um and and you know the, the, it, it, it's fine like you know the, the it was an excellent experience and and it's got me to where i am now which, which is awesome and you know the, the guy who hired me actually said he's like hey you're, you're probably a bit too entrepreneurial for this place anyway so um you know it's been great and i wish you well and and i said likewise um but yeah on to the next on to the next phase and w- whatever that will be in australia there is a 
pretty good culture around gap year and traveling and that sort of thing. I, I think from what I know, I mean, I mean, a oh, lot of Australians time. out there traveling. Is that something that you participated in or did you come out and just kind of skip that whole thing and go right into the working world? No, I, I, I definitely did. Um, I, I took two, in fact. <laughs> so when, when I was a bit younger, um, you know, I, I spent six months living in France and, and, and this wasn't like an exchange program, but I, I lived there and, and studied. And then I also took a year, a couple of years early and uh, traveled uh, for several months around Europe. And I went, lived in a hostel in Albania for a month and went to India and Iran and about a bit of Africa as well. Um, so I had done that um, some years earlier. So I, this wasn't like my first real travel experience, but it was... I don't know the gap year thing. I didn't. I didn't really need another year. You know, I, I think if if I was sort of like my career had started, you know, at age twenty six, and and I was now age twenty eight, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm in my career now. I've already done this whole gap year thing a couple of times. I don't need a whole year. I just want to go for a couple of months. So yeah, but but it's true. It is definitely true. Australians love to travel, and the gap year thing is very common. Um, yeah. So there's no real shame around it. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not at all. But I, I think it's a wonderful thing to have in, in your culture. Like we didn't really have that in our culture, at least growing up when I did in the States. And so that's why when I started meeting people from the UK and Australia, for example, who had that concept in their culture as, as like an acceptable thing to do, I was like, well, this is, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like you learn a lot from traveling. And, uh, but I don't think you can discount those experiences as it relates to this existential crisis, right? I mean, you had been out in the world and you knew there was a big wide world out there to be explored. Exactly. You'd experienced right. it firsthand. So what were you doing leading up to the corporate job? I was studying and I was working like kind of just jobs. <laughs> like, I, you know, I was studying and, and, and just sort of putting myself through university. I'd been doing bar jobs. I'd been working in a job um, like in, like, you know, in a, call center just like selling wine to people and just all sorts of jobs like just sort of just to get me through university I, you know i was kind of late to the career thing you know i started like i was 26 when i got my first job and my manager was actually older than me and like that's cool like whatever I, i'd spent a few years like my early 20s just traveling and kind of messing around and you know doing my first degree and then i was like yeah i might just may as well do a second one i don't really know what i'm doing with my life so and then it you know it was the right decision though right because then it it, it put, got me into this firm so i was late to the career game but um but hey you know it got me to this amazing firm which was like oh this this is good so i think at that at that time i didn't i was like you know what like i think my career has started now and i don't think i need a whole year off like and I know my mom would kill me if I if I'd done that because she's like, well, like, you got to grow up at some point, sort of thing, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, but but <laughs> I'm oh, sure old, you got to grow up. <laughs> yeah, well, right. right. And it was it was kind of like, look, I've got a career now, and so I, I'm going to go for three months. I've already done this a few times, right, in my life. So just go for three months. I need to think about what I want to do next. I want to write this book. Uh, maybe I'll just be a full time author and and make it make it big with that, or or maybe. I'll come back and, and live by the beach. And, um, and you know, I was thinking, I was like, oh, maybe I can work for the local, like, <laughs> fruit store, being their accountant or something. Just like, I just want to live a really easy life, you know. And, but, it, but you know, and I'll, I'll get to where I'm at now. We'll talk about that later because it's it's completely different and completely better. Um, but, but, yeah, I just wanted a few months just to, just to really go and, and discuss this topic 
and then think about what's next. Because because he, here's another thing, right? Like you think about if you're in a career, and 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 I, and I know that anyone who's who's quit their job and gone traveling experiences this. If if you're in if you're in a career and you're thinking about what's next, your frame of reference is only what's in front of you. It's only what your colleagues are doing. It's like oh, it's, they go work for a bank or they go work for another consulting firm. Like that's what you're comparing it to. Whereas if you actually go and disappear for a few months, you really get this like crazy, um, you know, different set of perspectives, right? You speak to all sorts of other travelers, all sorts of things, and you just think, you can think clearly. And so you can actually, you know, trust your intuition as to, as to what's next, as opposed to just being, you know, around other corporate people and just going and doing other corporate things. So that's, you know, I mean, that's a huge thing, I think, if, for a lot of people. And um, is that, it, you know, if you don't like your path, you know, hey, what's next? Like, go traveling for a few months. Like, you know, and I know like in the US, for example, it's not like really well done for people to do that. Oh, they worry they're not going to get a job when they come back. Like, I just, no, wrong. Just like go and do that and think about what it is that you want. And that can be like, you know, a life-changing thing. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it can be, I mean, you did it pretty abruptly, it sounds like. I don't, I don't know how long the sort of, as what you would describe as the existential crisis Lasted. I feel like I have at least like four of those a year, by the way. So this is, it's not like uh, those go away. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's just, you know, it's easy to kind of question things sometimes. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot around that. But, uh, and, and that's kind of what I want to talk about here because I, I feel like there is a balance when you're at that decision point. Um, just thinking back to times in my life when I've been at that decision point trying to figure out, okay, am I going to like move on from this thing or, whatever, at least for me, it was this sort of like trying to balance this idea of like recognizing the discontent that exists. And, you know, it's like nothing's perfect, right? So there's always going to like there at some points there's going to be levels of discontent that, that pop in. I mean, it's just the ups and downs of life, I would say. And then when you have this feeling of gratitude around the things you have, right? So like you were saying, oh, well, I have this apartment near the beach. And like, there's a lot to be grateful for in those situations. And as you're family members were pointing out a lot of people would like to have a job like this and all this stuff, but you're still not happy. And then I feel like what can happen with some people uh, is, is that you, you can end up in that sort of swimming between those two pools, I guess, for a long time, or you could just kind of make a decision and hop in one or the other. But you know, that battle's like a never ending sort of thing. How do you uh, reconcile like sort of the, the point of appreciation and gratitude with sort of like discontent and, and like being honest with yourself with that. Mm. I mean, it's, it's not easy, man. Like, and, and that's a very good, uh, that, that's, that's the, that's the main question that, that people ask, like, to what extent should I just be happy with what I'm doing versus to what extent should I be ambitious and, and to go and do something else? And, you know, it's like this back and forth in our minds that, that we get. And uh, my answer is, well, based on a conversation, it was, it was, uh, one of the conversations, it was the final conversation I had in this trip. And, and I was hoping to go through this chronologically and, and we will, but, but the final conversation I had on this trip, I was, I was back in Kyrgyzstan, which is in, in Bishkek, the capital. And I was actually waiting for the taxi to take me to the airport. And, um, I met this woman who she ran the hostel, uh, in, in Bishkek and, and, and I'm like, yeah, talking about happiness and whatever. And she goes, the most important thing to your happiness is to choose a career that you like right? The reason is, is that we spend so much time at work, so you may as well enjoy it. And, um, you know, I was like, but I don't, I don't really know what I want to do. She's like, well, you're gonna have to try a few things out, right? And see what sticks. She goes, because if you don't like what you do, then someone else will come along who really does like it. 
and they'll do it better than you, right? And then you'll be at the bottom of the chain and you don't want to be at the bottom of the chain, right? And, and so I think that that is like, you know, hey, if you're like, if you're able to choose a career, then choose something different, right? You're able to try it out. So I think that particularly when you're young and not even when you're young, you should try new things. And the whole being at the bottom, bottom of the chain thing, like think of this, right? Like our parents' generation, like they may have stayed in the job for like 40 years, right? Or like grandparents, like that's what they did. That's just like they stay in a job for 30, 40 years. They have full job security and, um, you know, they retire with a gold watch at the end of at the end of their career. Like we don't have that. So there's no job security. Like there's nothing like that. So if you sort of go into a job or a career that you're not super enthused about, well, there's going to be people that are very enthused about it. So you will be at the bottom of the hierarchy. And if you're at the bottom of the chain and there's no job security, well, then you're most likely to actually not be that successful so you may as well choose something that you're enthused about i'm not saying you know follow your passion or i'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that like that's maybe like but i'm not i'm not going to advocate for that but choose something you're enthused about um and stay ahead of the curve with it right you know because you like it because you see value in it you're more likely to want to invest in it you're more likely to want to continue your education and so when you're at the top of the chain you know you're less stressed because you're not worried you're going to get fired or all that all that sort of thing so that's that's one uh, you know so 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 in 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 answering your question you know is it gratitude for what you have versus going and 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 um and pursuing more i, I would say it's the it's the going and pursuing more uh because you know you because you are so grateful for your life that you have the opportunity to do that so go and pursue more uh and then be grateful for the changes yeah i think that's a good way to put it because, you know, when it comes to happiness, one of the things that can make people unhappy is constantly pursuing more, right? This pursuit of more, but you're talking about it in a different way. This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan 
Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Okay, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, challenge you on that. So, And I've thought about this. I actually thought about this exact topic last night. So the, the pursuing more, you've got two distinct things, right? You've got when it comes to your purpose, right? So that is like, uh, you know, your career, any relationships or your health, like you should pursue more, right? You should have high standards for that, right? For example, if you don't like your job, you should pursue something different. You should raise your standards and do something different, right? If, you are, if you're in a relationship and the girl you're with is treating you badly, you should pursue something different. You should pursue more, right? You should challenge her. You say, I don't want to be in this relationship. If you're unhealthy, right? You should pursue more. You should change. You should get up off the couch and go for a run, whatever it is, right? So, so from, a, from, a, from a purpose perspective, right? So these things are purpose-related. You should be seeing more. You should be raising your standards. But it's the other thing, I think, when it comes to hedonism or pleasure, that's when I think that you should not pursue more. For, for example, anyone who's like, oh, like, yeah, I just want to fly business class, right? Like, I want more. I, I want to, I really, that's my goal. Once they do that, right, it's very hard to come back. Right, you can't you can't go back from that. People that fly business class, I've never flown business class, and I won't do it. But once you once you start flying business class, for example, you're in that you're pursuing more, and and you're you're temporarily happy, but then that's your new standard. So then you can't actually go back to economy. Just the thought of it is just so terrible. So the pursuing more thing is for I believe for is for purpose is absolutely uh, a goal. A goal of life, I believe, but 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 when it comes to hedonism or consumerism, um, you know, buying things, luxury, that sort of thing, I think that it should be less. You know, you should be comfortable with less. And I, I'm happy, and I'm happy to provide examples of of that. Um, you know, using like I've been thinking about this exact topic. I mean, this this is this is an important question, right? About the, the pursuing more versus contentment, right? Um, but but there's this so there's this concept um, you know of in economics known as um, diminishing marginal utility and, and I talk about this concept all the time and that is the more we consume or the more we purchase of a particular good the less satisfaction we gain right so that's to your point about pursuing more so that is for example you may be walking down the street and you see this shirt or something like that in a in a in a store it's like wow it's a really nice shirt you know yeah okay cool I'm gonna buy it. You wear the shirt, people compliment you, and you feel, oh, cool, I, I feel so great in this shirt and whatever else, right? But then the second time you wear it, it's just it's just a normal shirt. It just goes and exists in your closet, right? So and then what? So we're like, oh, that that little buzz that I felt that I that I experienced from wearing this and buying this, because you know, buying things makes us feel good. The buzz is gone. So then what do people do? Well, they go and buy more, right? And then the more we the more we buy, the less satisfaction we gain from from each subsequent purchase so this is and this is a term that you know i learned in in studying economics and i i didn't know that economists would would teach me this and give away their secrets but but truly the the more we the more we purchase a particular product the less satisfaction we gain from it so yeah diminishing marginal utility should you should google that one that's an important one yeah 
you know, what you're referring to, I mean, I think you use the word purpose and that's, that's a good one. I mean, this idea of, okay, yeah, maybe I should pursue more in, in the cases of where, uh, if I'm asking myself the question, you know, is this healthy for me, this relationship or whatever it is that you're talking about. Right. And, and it's like, it comes back to sort of like worthiness maybe or, or self worth, right? It's like, well, okay. Identifying the places where maybe you deserve more in some ways, but like it's, it is a tricky balance. One thing that always comes back to for me is this idea of just awareness, like on a, from a meta viewpoint, if you can develop an awareness around the thoughts and feelings around these debates, then you can better understand for yourself where you might fall into the trap of like more being pursuing more being a bad thing and pursuing more being a good thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. As I said, it's, it's a, it's a tough, um, it's a tough question, but, but there is a quote in, in a book that I, that I, that I really love and that I brought uh, along with me in the trip. And I, and I, and I quote in my book multiple times, the book's called man's search for meaning. So, Hey, this is kind of what we're discussing, right? By Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Right. And he says, what man needs is not a tensionless state, but rather a goal uh, worthy of him striving for. Right. So that is, it's, you need something, you need a purpose, you need a reason to get out of bed in the morning, right? You need something. Uh, otherwise, you know, I don't know. I guess you don't see your life as being very valuable. You know, you're talking self-worth, for example. But you know, so, so for example, right? And we're, you know, so I mean, there's a man I met in Afghanistan, right? And and he has a incredibly difficult life. You know, his his uh, his dad had actually murdered his mother for suspected adultery, and then his father had actually been killed um, attempting to cross. The river into Tajikistan to bring back food, right? And so, you know, because Afghanistan, there's there's a war and whatever else, and and you know, really really tragic and and terrible, well, very difficult existence, right? Um, you know, he the, the man himself, you know, he has no money and 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 he lives with his aunt. He's not married, and and you know, he's in Afghanistan, which is like a pretty tough environment right now. And you know, so on the topic of happiness, I'm I'm kind of like you know what like what like what makes you happy? Like what what do you what do you you know what do you do for work? You know, and I'm thinking like, gosh, oh, should I even ask that? Or is, is that kind of rude to even ask? And, and he's like, oh, you know, I've, I've actually built seven schools, um, you know, in the local area. And I teach children, you know, I've, I've, I've managed to get them all textbooks. I teach them English and mathematics. And I, and my goal is, is that, you know, if, if uh, we can educate these children, um, they're less likely to go down like, you know, the radical path of, of the Taliban, for example, right? And if we can teach them to be tolerant and loving towards other people, right, then, um, you know, the war can end sooner, right? So, so you think about that. So you think about this, this idea of wanting more and, and purpose. And for him, it's like, man, like, you know, why should I get out of bed in the morning? It's like, cause I, cause I'm trying to create this, right? Like, that's a question we all ask. Like, why should I get out of bed in the morning? Right. And if you think your job sucks or whatever else, then you're probably just going to stay in bed. And if you stay in bed, you get depressed. Right. So if you have a purpose or if you have some, some sort of goal, you know, as Viktor Frankl says, a, a, a goal worthy of striving for, if you have that, then you're more likely to actually, you know, go and, 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 um, you know, get out of bed and experience life, you know, in its fullest capacity. And, and, and as a result of that, you actually become someone completely different, you know? So for example, this guy in, in Afghanistan, you know, his whole family is dead, right? For, for, you know, so what's his choice? His choice is to, 
to to stay in bed and be depressed or or is a choice to actually go and build seven schools right like that that's amazing like truly that is amazing um so you know and what and what uh motivates him well it's it's a purpose it's more it's it's wanting more it's wanting more out of life it's wanting to make a difference mm. i mean that sounds for you is that sort of the genesis of this book as well i mean like we said you could have just taken off to travel and whatever indulged in the uh world travel lifestyle but i mean you chose to do this project and engage in these conversations and i mean part of that i would imagine well it's for you but it's also for you're you're putting something out into the world that other people can benefit mm. from right yeah i mean absolutely like the 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 you know the discussion of happiness is an interesting one uh, because I mean, there's so many theories on it, right? You know, people have been discussing it for thousands of years. You know, what makes a good life? Like, what is happiness? Is happiness living in the present? Is happiness planning for the future and trying to have a better future? Is happiness pleasure-seeking? Is happiness, like, what is it? And there's so many books on it and so many people that have discussed it. So it's just, it, you know, I figured if I'm if I'm going to go, I'm going to read all these books, ancient books. You know, I took, um, you know, books on hinduism and stoicism and and then more recently you know walden by by thoreau and and you know man's search for meaning you know more modern classics and that all discuss happiness in in one way or another so you know who's the book for i mean well it's for me i guess it, it's for me because i'm trying to articulate these thoughts and trying to articulate what is happiness but then it's also for anyone who's interested in travel and who's also interested in the concept of happiness you know and and you know I, there there are a lot of books on happiness these days and and you know i'm not like a psychologist or anything like that and i'm also i don't it's not a self-help you know feel good all the time book it's it's nothing you know i i sort of cringe at those sorts of books it it is it it, what it does well at least what i try to to make it do um is is intertwine those sort of ancient ancient and modern theories um not this sort of like feel good all all day and be happy just be happy or whatever some of these you know self-helpy sorts of books um, hmm. tend to go into. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how this project or maybe the book even would have looked different or felt different or read differently in a different region of the world, right? Uh, you're specifically your experience with these specific countries. What did you find in terms of the answer to your, your overall question? Yeah, I guess I want to hear a little bit more about specifically the Silk Road and, and how maybe that was unique to to everything that you experienced in terms of uh, these conversations. Yep. That raises the question, like, why did I choose to go to the Stan countries, right? And and the, the answer is Because you went on Instagram. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I go on Instagram all the time, right? So, but, but, but you know, and w- what was it about the Stan countries, right? Like, well, and the answer is, I mean, I wanted to go somewhere completely off the grid and, and where, you know, where no one really goes. And, you know, I mean, the question is like, why does no one go to these countries? And and my and I don't know, but but I think maybe like, you know, since like nine eleven, like twenty years ago, you know, that it, it, it sent the world to to Afghanistan, right? And we th- we think about Afghanistan for the first time. So any country ending in Stan, people just are like weary about, right? That's my suspicion. So people just like, there's like, oh, I would never go to Kyrgyzstan because it's probably dangerous, right? And and. And, and you know, then you think of the movie Borat, for example, that's set in Kazakhstan. And 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 uh, how did they make that movie? It's like, well, no one knows anything about Kazakhstan, so you can portray it as you wish. Um, so so that's why I actually wanted to visit these countries. And and you know, to answer your question, um, you know, the, the the places that you go that have the the least amount of 
Westerners and travelers are going to be the ones that ha- that have the you know that provide you the most unique um, experience, right? If, if I was to go to Thailand or something, it's just like well, we know that there's just so many Australians and so many travelers, and locals don't really care about you, right? Because you're just one of the rest of them. But if you're the only one, then people are going to want to talk to you. They're going to be curious and whatever else. So it's definitely um, easier. I, I, right <laughs> yeah it's easier that that's right yeah you go to a place where there's no travelers and people will speak to you right like because they're like oh that's hi what are you doing here sort of thing you know assuming that they can you can communicate um but but so 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 you know if i'd gone to thailand and <laughs> tried to write this i mean how would the experience have been i don't know probably not that profound um but 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 with this you know i mean this is you know i'd I experience you know hospitality and curiosity like like i've never in my life um, you know, I write in the book that you know these these um, you know these strangers they they open their lives and their homes to me, right? Like I you know I would hitchhike with them and and eat meals with them and and sleep on sleep on their floors even and and uh, you know this guy Massad who I talked about before, um, you know he started crying whilst opening up to him to, uh, opening up to me and telling me about his life. So so you know how would the experience be different? Um, I, I don't know, um, but but. Um, but yeah so anyway th- th- there's there's also i mean there's sort of five themes of the book um which i which i can go through if you'd like i mean or we can i mean however you want to to continue this conversation but but what i believe that yeah there are five things that constitute a good life um in, with well, respect to happiness let's hear them <laughs> um how are we going to not hear them now <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like yeah you better you better ask me them um, so, you, so, so, I, or I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, may as well end the conversation now. Um, the, the, the first is, is, um, you know, is minimalism, right? And, and I, and I, and I talked about that, um, you know, these concepts, diminishing marginal utility, right? The, the, the more we consume, um, of a particular product, the less satisfaction we gain. So if you, you know, you know, we have this idea like retail therapy. It's like, okay, like that's a temporary pleasure seeking thing, but it's not, that doesn't constitute happiness, right? And, and then there's also this other concept known as hedonistic adaptation. And I really, and this is a not an economic concept, but rather a uh, social science or psychological concept. And, and that is, as soon as you, you go up the lifestyle chain, right? As soon as you, for example, you go and have a $200 dinner, let's say, or $100 dinner, it's like, wow, that was amazing. That was so great. Right, but then you go do it again the next night, and the next night it wasn't as good. Why? Because you kind of expected, you knew what was going to happen. So that initial spike in happiness you had, you don't get the second time, or the third time, or the fourth time. Right. So what I I believe, therefore, is that you know instead of instead of falling victim to you know these like oh let's just go retail therapy buy buy as much as we can or let's go and do all these like fancy things all the time. You know these are, these things are good every so often, like definitely, but as a lifestyle, um, you know. It would be far wiser to to uh, live more simply and to um, save as much money as you can, so you can actually go and go and travel. Um, you know, because you know, if you have a if you have a, a well paid job, it's like, well, what's is 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 it worth that you work your ass off so you can just buy expensive clothes and and only go out for expensive dinners every night? Is that worth it? Is your time worth that, or is it that? You know, you've been planning on going traveling for six months, and you keep talking about it, but but you can't actually do it because you're prioritizing, um, you know, you're prioritizing sort of, uh, it, you know, present moment hedonism over long term, you know, growth and and goal setting, right? So 
So that's, you know, th- th- there's this guy, um, Ray Dalio, who who's like this, like he owns a hedge fund. I don't even know what a hedge fund is. It's like some finance thing, but he's like super wealthy and super successful. I, I, yeah, I don't know what a hedge fund is, right? But, <laughs> and, and and he wrote, he wrote this book and, and, and he called Principles. And he says that, you know, we have first order goals and we have second order goals. First order goals, like, you know, it's like the, the purpose stuff, right? Like the, you know, I want to buy a house. I want to quit my job and go traveling, whatever. But the second order goals is like the, you know, the more immediate instant gratification consumerist sort of like, yeah, I want, I want to buy that that car or i want to go retail therapy and buy like all sorts of clothes and and so then what he says is that you must keep your first order goals at the top of your mind right that is this is my goal this is what i'm doing and so then with that in mind you gotta you gotta push away the second order goals right because the second order goals will distract you from your first order goals and you unfortunately won't achieve your first order goals order goals if you're getting distracted so you know minimal you can call it minimalism um, you know, you can call it simple living. I know you talk about uh, budget travel a lot on this podcast. You can call it um, essentialism. That's another, I think, is a book called Essentialism. You know, it's, it's you know, don't, don't just live, uh, you know, like super lean, but just only buy the essentials, right? Doesn't doesn't mean necessarily minimalism, but, but essentialism. So um, that's the first thing, right? Because, you know, your time is your most important resource and three months or six month trip is far more valuable than, you know, going and and buying clothes all the time or or buying a $50,000 car or whatever it is on on and people the things that people do right so so yeah minimalism is the first theme what do you think was that does that does that raise any questions i agree <laughs> that it's it's nice to stay lean i think there is a balance between um you know, you mentioned like the business class example or the, you know, eating the fancy meal and not appreciating it the next time. I, I do think you can maintain those appreciations if you have a, if you don't have a certain level of expectation and, and, and you're very much practicing gratitude, then I think that it's a, uh, it's definitely possible. Maybe gratitude's on your list. I don't know, but, um, it, it, it is in fact <laughs> okay it, it wouldn't be yeah. a book about happiness without uh without that in there yeah. i mean without Cause, cause i don't feel like it's always black and white you know you're not a terrible person if you own things and it doesn't mean you're you're going to be totally unhappy i've lived sort of both lives now right like nomadically and then now i have a home and like kids and with that comes more stuff probably more stuff than i've ever had before and like that that feels heavy sometimes, but also I'm not attached to it in the same way because I had experiences with minimalism. So it's, it's a bit, a bit nuanced, but I understand the spirit yep. behind what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't like, you know, as I said, I, you know, I, I love going out for a nice dinner, you know, with my wife, we, we do that sometimes and it's great. Right. But it's when it becomes the, the every day that, and that's when you stop appreciating it because it's the normal. Was she just, with you on this just, trip? No. No, no. So th- this is a whole different story about how I met her, and maybe if we have time, we can we can get to that. But th- th- oh yeah, you know, yeah. So no, this was you didn't know her when you were doing this trip. No, 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 no. I didn't. Okay. No. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, the trip was a few years ago now, so it, it's 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 okay. taken me like four and a bit years to actually write the book. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, so so you know, like right, there's that as I said, there's, I'm not saying you know pen, pinch every penny. I'm definitely not saying that, but it's just once the the, the lifestyle creep become you know it creeps up on you and it becomes the norm of every day you're doing this and that's when you, you start you stop you stop appreciating it right so so that that's 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 the first um the first thing the second is so reading deep well as deep as i could 
kind of hard to read these sorts of books, but but the, this um, this book called the Bhagavad Gita, which is the kind of what like the you know the Bible is to the Christians, like this is to the Hindus, right? Like this is their book, right? And and um, and then also reading um, uh, Marcus Aurelius's Met- Meditations, right? It's a book on Stoicism. Um, you know, both you know the Bhagavad Gita was written like two and a half thousand years ago, and Meditations was written two thousand years ago, and they they both touch on this same the same idea right they call it different things and i think if you can master this then you will be happy right it's but it's not easy right and 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 what uh for example marcus aurelia says in the book he says that if you are troubled by something external it is not the thing itself but rather your estimate of it and that you have the the power to change at any moment so that is for example Tomorrow you it you've got all these plans like let's say it's like summer and you're gonna go to the beach it's like yeah I'm gonna go to the beach can't wait so excited whatever right and then you know you've got all these plans you're gonna go swimming and all the sort of stuff you do at the beach but then it rains right and so then you're like oh god damn I was had all these plans right and but the point is that so it's not actually the rain that's making you unhappy but rather it's your own wanting the sun right the rain is just the rain it's just it just is it's just it's just whatever rain rain is just water and it happens all the time but it's because we want the sun is what is why we're making was why we're being unhappy so it's if we just mm-hmm. accept the rain then we're not ha- we're not unhappy we're happy right? my, my version is like, as oh. i want my kids to go to bed at a certain time you know <laughs> so i can have some time to just chill out and unwind anyway <laughs> little sidebar <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah like that that's you know yeah, in, in in the Hindus call it attachment, or you know, practicing non-attachment, not being attached to outcomes, right? Um, and so so that is in the present moment. If you're unhappy, it's not like because of the thing, but it's your estimate of it. It's 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 because you're wanting it to be something else. You're attached to something else, right? So th- that's an important concept, um, you know. And and the reason I learned that I was I was driving driving along the the Pamir Highway, um, which is you know. The most amazing it's called the roof of the world um well i think there's actually i think there's actually in nepal they have a roof of the world as well but whatever this is also called the roof of the world it's the second highest highway um, in the world right and it it starts in southern kyrgyzstan and goes all throughout tajikistan the premier mountains Mm. um beautiful border of afghanistan oh amazing um you know the most stunning scenery i've seen right just mountains and hot springs and you know and and it's also known as the heroin highway, right? Because um, all the heroin that's that's produced in in um, Afghanistan actually travels along this highway, and then through Kyrgyzstan, and then up into Europe and to North America, right? So it, it's kind of it's known to be dangerous, right? Because, well, for obvious reasons. Um, and um, so, so you know, I, I was driving along this road, um, and the car. You know, we're driving at, at nighttime, which which you shouldn't do along the Premier Highway because there's no lights and um, and whatever else. And and um, the car ha- happened to you know come to a complete stop. You see this boom noise, right? And the driver was you know he's like trying to trying to drive, but nothing. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? And you know, the driver and my guide were were uh, were talking in Farsi, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. And I'm like, you know, what's happening? What's happening? And you know, this is it, it's the Premier Highway in. In, in the mid, you know, in in the mountains at six thousand meters altitude, right? It's and it's nighttime. It's dark. It's cold. I didn't have any, you know, any warm clothing because it was summer. I didn't think it would get that cold. Um, and he looks around at me. He turns around at me. He goes, "Whiff," and I'm just like, "Oh God! Like, what's going on? Right? We're stuck here. Like, you know, in the in the middle of the mountains, nowhere. I don't have I don't have a sleeping bag or a tent or anything. It's too cold. It's getting below below zero. 
Um, and you know, we had we had to get out of the car and walk, and it's like pouring with rain, right? And you know, you, you know, when you're like you're walking and there's so much mud that you know your foot gets stuck in the mud and then your shoe comes off because it's stuck in the mud and all that. And it was just like you know, we're walking for like an hour. You know, it's, it's like not great, right? Um, and it's just like I don't even know where we're going because we're in the mountains. There's no one. There's no one even here, right? Um, and we eventually keep walking until we notice this like mud house and and you know. The, the the guy that who was my guide he just goes and knocks and they they let us sleep in their mud house and i slept with a baby a baby lamb you know um at my feet and and you know it was pretty cool right wake up the next day and the sun's shining and this woman had made us tea and she set us on our way right to go and get help to fix the car but so the point is is that in a moment like this you know your, your tendency is to stress you know to worry to catastrophize right but if you if you simply accept it as yeah, I mean, this is just a walk. This is an adventure. I'm in the mountains. This is amazing, right? If you accept these things, then you'll actually experience happiness, right? Or at least not unhappiness. And I'm not saying that's easy. <laughs> this is not easy. But 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 from this perspective, happiness is a is a factor of, uh, you know, can you control your own mind? Can you control what it is that you want in the moment? If you're accepting of everything around you, you'll be happy. If you want something else, if you're like, oh, this sucks, you know, this is cold or like, oh, my feet are muddy, whatever, then you'll be unhappy, right? So that's the choice. And that's what Marcus Aurelius wrote, you know, it's not the thing, it's your estimate of it and that you have the power to change at any moment. So it's a good lesson, I think. So that, that's lesson two or theme two. Um, Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. And so, so we yeah. got minimalism. Uh, yeah, att this idea of not being able to, yeah, attachment or detachment, maybe the idea of not controlling, not being attached to the external circumstances. Yep, exactly. What's your, what's the third? 
So the third, so I, I arrived in in this town, Korog, which is, and, and anyone who travels in, uh, you know, the Silk Road, this is, so the Premier Highway is a very famous Silk Road route. And, and then the, the town of Korog, which is in Tajikistan, um, but it borders Afghanistan, right? So this is the town. If you want to go to Afghanistan, like this is the town you should you should go through just because it's like the, the region, once you cross the border into Afghanistan, for example, the region is like, uh, it's, it's controlled by the allied, you know, the Afghan government forces and not the Taliban. So it's like somewhat safe. And I'm, you know, I'm doing the inverted commas with my fingers here. Um, it's somewhat safe. So, um, so, you know, I was in, in this town, um, beautiful town, like truly, like it's, it's quite, um, it's very scenic and it's mountainous and there's like rivers and you can go swimming in summer and there's, you know, good bazaars with all sorts of, um, good food and, you know, nice restaurants. And it's, it's a really cool place. And, and I met a man, uh, who actually owned the guest house and, um, you know, one of the few people that speaks English. And so I was talking, just chatting, you know, so naturally the idea, the topic of happiness uh, comes up and I, and I say, you know, so like, what, what do you do to be happy? And he says, uh, meditate, right? So, I, and, you know, and, and it was funny because, you know, some of the books I've been reading, you know, Walden, um, Bhagavad Gita, and of course, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. He, I don't think he actually talks too much about, well, I guess he does in, implicitly, but they talk about meditation, right? They, they talk, a, a lot of books talk about meditation, right? But, but what is that, right? Like what, because, you know, you always hear about this sort of thing, meditation, meditation, but there's a reason why people have been practicing this for, for thousands of years, right? Um, and so the, the reason is, I mean, this, the, what I write in my book is, is that, uh, let's say, for example, like, you know, you and I, what do we do all day? We sit, down at our desk and work, right? So we exercise to, we move our body, right? You move your body so you, so to exercise it, right? So it, it, it makes it stronger, right? That's pretty obvious. But then with your mind, it's the opposite. Our minds are always moving. They're always thinking, they're worrying. They're thinking, you know, like, oh, you know, what time do gerbils go to sleep? Or, you know, like, what did my manager really mean when they said this? Or like, you know, what am I going to be doing in six months? All this sort of stuff that goes on in our mind, right? So it's always moving. So, so, um, to the contrary to exercise, what we do is we still our minds, right? So by stilling your mind, you're actually keeping it fit and strong. So does that make sense? It's kind of like the, the opposite with ex with your body, you know, your body is doing nothing all day. So you move it, it makes it strong. And your mind is the opposite. Your mind is always moving. It's always thinking and speculating and worrying and all the stuff that your mind does. So you still it, which is to meditate, right? And so then whenever you start to worry, whatever, you can actually catch it and you can actually notice it. Um, Easier and said of, than done, uh, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is for sure. So, um, so you know, the the, the when I used this along the trip, you know, I, I'm, I I go into Afghanistan, and this man who owned the owned the uh, guest house, he actually took me there because you know he uh, he wanted to go there anyway. So I was like, amazing! I don't want to go by myself, or you know, without without a guide, he so, someone who knows knows the uh, the area, and you know, you cross the border and and into Afghanistan, and this is like getting kind of serious i didn't tell my mom or i didn't tell anyone that i was going into afghanistan just because it's like well my mom would be like you're not going and i'm like i'm going so i was just like i'm not telling anyone <laughs> like um and so naturally you know I, you, you walk across the border and, and the the border commissioner starts starts talking to us and he's got a he's got a picture with the map and he's pointing at the map he's like okay as long as you stay within this area you'll be fine he goes the closest taliban controlled region is about 30 kilometers from here I'm like, oh, okay, 30 kilometers. Like, okay. And I'm like, you sure it's controlled Very by like, far. you know, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, you sure it's controlled? He's like, yeah, it, it's controlled by Afghan government, you know, 
Um, but 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 naturally, of course, the tendency is to panic, right? And, and I talked about this in 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 a, a different chapter and and just before. But so as we're going and we're in the back of a truck going into the town, you know, I'm worrying and seizing up. But but as Saeed, the man, had had instructed about meditation in the books, you know, in Walden and Bhagavad Gita are talking about meditation. I just sat there, you know, counted my breath, and you know the panic dissipated and my body relaxed, right? And so as a result, I could be more present and actually enjoying, um, in, you know, enjoying the scenery, right? And just sort of, you know, I guess, uh, content with with what that was. And, you know, it's it's obviously not always as simple as that, right? Like, but it does work. And, and the reason it works is that, you know, well, you know, people have been practicing it for thousands of years. You know, I'm sure a, a psychologist, if you spoke to one, would recommend it. Like it's known, it, like it works, like it, it actually, it does work. So, that is an effective tool. Um, yeah, it's an effective tool. Cool. Uh, yeah. Give yep, us yep. your four, the four and five. I like they have. I like they have stories with each of these. That's cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So fourth is is the purpose stuff, which I talked about. You, you need a you need a job or something that you that want makes you want to get out of bed in the morning. And if you don't, then you just sort of get depressed. Right. And, you know, you have people that hate their jobs and whatever else. And, and we know that this is common. Um, and then they get depressed. So you, you need a purpose, you know, because you spend so much time at work. Right. And and in, in you know, we talk about wanting more versus being content. And, and I'm all about, you know, going, st- striving for more with your purpose. And the reason is, is that you become more right. You're actually extending yourself and, and, and you know, resolving more difficult problems. And as a result, you, you become smarter, you become more useful in the world. Right. So so the purpose stuff is is. Uh, is an important one. Um, you know, I wrote, I write, um, it, you know, I write in the book that a lot of people, you know, they, they fear the change, you know, they don't like their job, but 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 they've told me since I've done this trip, you know, I'd really love to go do something like that. I'd really love to go traveling. I'd really love to, you know, go and live in Tahiti and, and, and teach scuba diving, or I'd really love to go and move to the countryside and fix antique cars, you know, all this sort of stuff people tell me, right? And and but, you know, they they fear they fear change, right? And 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 again, there is this quote in the book, Marcus Aurelius, he says, it, you know, it's it is not death that man should fear, but he should but rather he should fear never beginning to live. And and I think that that is like, hey, we're alive. You should pick a career or a job or a purpose that that you think is valuable because, you know, don't fear change like you fear death just actually fear not living at all like it's like and, and maybe that sounds cliche I, I don't know maybe it does but but it, it is it is an important very important thing so pick a pick a purpose or a career or something that you see as valuable um then you know i do talk there's a section like after leaving afghanistan and, and going back into tajikistan and kyrgyzstan I, I um you know the only the the only i guess what emotion to feel after that experience and all the, you know, incredibly brave and and tough people that I met in Afghanistan is, you know, you only feel grateful for your life. Like that is, and, and so the, the gratitude thing is like, is incredibly important, right? You, if, you know, if you go to Afghanistan, you understand the, the, the problems that people have. And then you think about the problems that you have. It's like, okay, you, yeah. Like I'm not going to complain anymore. Like my, my is life that, is so. Is uh, that your fifth, fifth point? Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude, yeah, yeah. and and that <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound cliche because I think that every book on happiness talks about gratitude, but there's a reason. Well, for that you have to. I mean, it's you have to be that. That's right. That's that's yeah, exactly that's right. You have to be non-negotiable, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I feel. I, that, that, that's right. Exactly. It's like, 
hey, my life sucks. And then, you know, oh, my life sucks. I'm unhappy. Then it's like, actually, no, I've got all these reasons to be grateful for. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's right uh, you back know, that's, on track. Exactly. Exactly. So that, like, you know, uh, like, for example, like, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you're in the, the top percentage of most wealthy and, and fortunate people ever to grace this planet, right? Like, ever in the history of the world. Like, wow, that's amazing, right? truly that that's amazing so you think about that like if you listen to this podcast you are the top percent of wealthy and fortunate people who have such amazing lives ever to exist on this planet so that's something to be grateful for um you know you you think of like i mean you know obviously don't talk about this in the book but you think of with covid right now it's like okay like, how are you spending your days? How are you spending your time, right? Are you grateful for your life? Are you grateful for this opportunity to have downtime? And, and you know, because uh, a lot of people, for example, like I found myself a year ago, you know, pre-COVID, like I was like, oh, I can't catch a break. You know, I'm so busy, all these social engagements, all this travel, whatever, all this stuff, I'm spending all my money, everything like that. I can't catch a break. And now you've got that with COVID, you know, you, you, and this is going to be the only time in your life that, that you have this. So are you grateful for it or are you just complaining? So if you're grateful for it, then you're more likely to, you know, hey, write a book. You're more likely to do some course online that you can do for free. You're more likely to read more books, right? Or are you going to be pissed off and and just, you know, watch Netflix all day? So if you're grateful, then you, you're, pro- you're, you're actually going to make the most of this time, right? Because this, because COVID, and I don't talk about COVID in my book, but but this is a, you know, hey, it, it's, it's take, your, take your pick, right? take your pick be grateful and 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 use the time to unwind and and learn a skill or something or or, or uh you know don't <laughs> well so, i think yeah, for gra- most of us it's, is, yeah yeah I, I think it's both i mean i've certainly had that <laughs> experience with these lockdowns but uh it's the gratitude that kind of has been able to pull me out when i'm having the other version of that right and it's just like oh man, this is getting old, this routine and all this stuff is like, well, wait, hold on a second. Like, all right. Well, it's also, you know, this idea of giving yourself some space to be like, it's okay to be a little sad and depressed and, and unsure too, I think. Uh, but a gratitude is certainly uh, a tool to, you know, because there could be shame around that, like kind of shaming yourself or feeling bad or feeling guilty because you're feeling a little down. Like I generally am a positive person. So if I'm feeling down, I'm like, what what's wrong with me, man? Like I got to pull myself mm, out, but it's like, right, I think it's okay right. to feel mm. that too. But you're understanding that this maybe comes back to point number two, this, the idea of attachment. But if you're not attached to the emotion, if you're just sitting with the emotion, but you know, well, this is going to pass through you like a wave and you can get uh, the gratitude can help you kind of, it's like a life jacket in a way, right. Can kind of bring it back to the top. To your point, like you're exactly right. Like, you know, we all get down and think, oh, is this ever going to end? That sort of thing. Uh, and and I, I do that as well. You know, you can ask my wife that. <laughs> um, but it is the gratitude thing. There's, you know, just the simple writing down, like, what am I grateful for that can snap you out of it? So that's that's definitely something that I'm, you know, this is only, this is not going to be around forever. You know, take your pick, like learn a skill, do something like that. Anyway. Well, man, I'd say solid job distilling thousands of years of wisdom into these five points. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I look at these, I just, uh, you know, of course these are the, any list like this is debatable, but this is pretty, uh, a lot of these are, you can see why it, it can be related to happiness or, or contentment. And I mean, obviously these are the lessons you pulled from, from your trip, you know, putting this through the lens of travel. One thing I was thinking about that struck me, I'm looking at minimalism 
attachment or non-attachment, meditation, purpose, gratitude. These are things that either travel, at least for me, really reinforce, uh, like the travel experience can really reinforce these things or help you discover them, right? Like I, I, I didn't really know about minimalism or like that was even a thing until I started traveling. And then when I went somewhere with just a backpack and, and, and it was this feeling of like, of course, when I started traveling, there weren't all these blogs and stuff. So I'm dating myself, but, uh, it was just like this feeling of, Oh, this is, this feels good. Like to not have a lot of stuff to take care of. And, and it's just like, you had to have that experiential experience, I guess you have to feel it for yourself to understand what it means to you. And, I feel like how it can, how it can change you. And like, you know, even though, like I said, I mean, I own more stuff now, but I, I don't, I know what that's like. I know that feeling and it's, it, it's made me less attached to things for my life because I traveled in that way for so long early. It, it, it just gave me a healthier relationship with things moving forward. So I, I just love that, you know, these lessons you've carved out, I mean, they're learnable anywhere. You don't need to travel. But for me personally, it was travel that reinforced a lot of these and, or helped and or helped me discover them. Yep. A- absolutely, man. And, and, you know, this is a travel podcast. And, you know, so like travel, we can all agree is, is, is so great for you to actually think about these concepts and question stuff and then, and, and you know, think about what makes you happy. And it does reinforce all these things. So, we're we're on the same page though, so um, Did, yeah, man, uh, absolutely agree. Why should people travel to this region of the world? I mean, well, okay, because one is that it's still in that sort of phase. I mean, I, this was a few years ago now when I was there, right? It's taken me, as I said, it's taken me four years to write the book, but I assume it's still the same. It, it's it's still very much in the phase of um, it's not overrun by travelers and tourists and stuff like that. So people are actually willing to talk to you and 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 are curious about you. You know, once once it gets flooded by travelers and tourists, like the locals sort of shy away a bit. I think you know that's. The, that's as far as I know what the evolution is, um, but but the, the the people were so kind and so curious and 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 so interesting and um, and you know the places the mountains and and the the, the nature and and um, you know you can hitchhike so easily and it's so safe. I mean the thing is with the exception of Afghanistan, these countries are very safe. Um, the reason is is that they used to be part of the Soviet Union and in the Soviet Union there's like no crime, right? Because it's just it's like a police state, so there's no crime. You don't have to worry about that. There's no crime at all. Very safe, very hospitable. Um, people are kind, and just stunning. You know, stunning lakes and um, and mountains and nature and you know the the villages are cool and um, it, very photogenic. I, I, I you know the stands. I really loved Kyrgyzstan. Um, yeah, as as I've heard as so many good things really stunning, about yeah. yeah. Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, that you can travel without. I don't like you know if you have a Western passport, it's like it's pretty. The visa situation isn't like tough. I think Tajikistan was tough, but like not really. Actually, it wasn't tough. It took me like a couple of hours, but I had to get a visa. But but um, it's yeah. Go and travel these countries. They're amazing. Hmm. So yeah, it sounds like your life went from sort of the traditional status quo type of nine to five existence to something completely different. So yeah, I mean, you've alluded to it a bit, but coming out of the trip in the last years, like where did, where did this all, this whole project and, and just this experience take you in your life? Yep. Yeah. So it was funny, you know, and, and, and I, as I said earlier on in the conversation, we had this, this, uh, 
the com- I talked about the conversation that I had with this woman in Kyrgyzstan who says, you know, the most important thing is to pick a career that you like, right? And um, so I got back to us to Australia and, and I and I was sort of, you know, I decided to, to go back and finish my master's degree. I was like, look, I've almost done with it. Just finish it off, right? There's no point in, in you know, just not finishing it. Just get it done. Although you never use it. Who cares? Just get it done. So um, I did that for a bit. And, and I also just did some freelance uh, accounting and stuff like that, you know, but... I realize I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of just doing the same sort of work, but just on a, on a lesser basis, um, you know, and sort of spending more time at the beach. And, and, and there is a quote in um, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says, you know, when man does not have a deep sense of, of purpose, he distracts himself with pleasure. And, and that's what I was doing. I was just spending more time at the beach. And I'm like, I, I'm not really being true to my own potential. I'm not, I'm not really, I'm just sort of existing. I'm just, you know, doing freelance services, which I don't really like. And going to the beach, the beach is always fun, but it's not, you know, age 28, like, you know, I think I could do better. So, you know, I'm sort of walking down the beach again, sort of back where I was only months earlier, just thinking like, what am I doing? Like, like, surely there's more, you know, I can do, I can do better. So I, um, what I did was I thought to myself, like, I want to work for a tech company, like a startup or something like that. I think a startup will be cool, you know, cause, cause they, the startups are, have the, the quirkiest thinkers and it's exciting and it's not mundane. And, and so I thought, you know, I want to work for a startup. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to just move to the head or the center of the startup world, which is San Francisco, Silicon Valley. And I, so within, uh, <laughs> I called up my dad. I'm like, Hey dad, I'm moving home for six weeks because I need to save money. And he's like, all right, go for it. So I moved home and, uh, you know, kept working, saving everything I could and then moved to San Francisco, booked a flight. I actually, you know, flew there, arrived um, and had enough savings to get me through, hopefully, you know, however long it would take, 12 weeks or something and um, applied for like 70 different startups. And one actually gave me a job and sponsored my work visa. Um, and so it was, you know, I got a job in a cool Silicon Valley startup in downtown San Francisco in a warehouse. And, and I mean this, that the, the, the day I started the job was the day I ran out of money. Like, and I mean that sincerely. So it was, it was just meant to be right. Um, and, and then, you know, fast and that, that was in, uh, 2017, right. So, so, um, things have changed. As I said, the book's taken me a, a while to write, but, but so since, you know, the company, it, it, um, it, it didn't take off, you know, it's a startup, right? It kind of went up and down and whatever else. And I managed to get a, a different a different job um, with a San Francisco tech company and moved up to Vancouver because, uh, which is, you know, West coast of Canada. Because during that time, um, I, you know, whilst living in San Francisco, I, I, uh, I w- had made my first trip up to Canada, never been. And um, I was sitting there reading and, and a girl, a beautiful girl came up and started talking to me. She's like, oh, what are you reading? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we stayed in touch and next thing we're visiting each other. And, and, and then I'm like, Hey, I can actually move up. I can keep my San Francisco job, but I can just come live in, in Canada. Like, why not? Like, why would I not do that? I get all the, the opportunities from the land of opportunity, but, but I get to live in Canada. So that, that, that works great for me. Um, and so I now live in, live in Vancouver. We just got married recently. Um, Congratulations. And, and, and thank you. Yeah. And I, I run, I manage, um, you know, roughly 20 people in, in, from a sales perspective. So completely different, you know, from a corporate uh, analyst, you know, solving the most complex of problems and now to be working for a cool tech company in sales is, 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 um, is exactly like, I love it, you know, and each day is, is just fun. It's remote, you know, and, uh, you know, with COVID it's kind of limiting, but Hey, you know, pre COVID we were traveling all the time and working remote and we're going to be doing all that. So I think if you can have a good purpose and also travel 
while doing that have a good career and, and travel, then like that's great. So so yeah, it's all worked out well. I, I'm I'm happy and and hey, you know, it's that, that, you know I'll finish off this by, um, you know, if this is the end of the interview, I don't know, but there's a quote in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, and this is a book that was written two and a half thousand years ago, and he says, well, the author says, um, far better to live your own life imperfectly than to live someone else's life perfectly, right? Did I say that right? Far better to live one's own life imperfectly than to live someone else's life perfectly. Right. And that's kind of, that's the way it's been. It's been kind of messy and it gets like that, but Hey, I'm, you know, I'm super happy with, with where it's led me and, and, um, you know, <laughs> feeling grateful and feeling like my purpose is, is good. Um, and you know, you, you, you do have to make those changes, um, and, and live, you know, make the changes, take the risks and, um, and, you know, you'll be rewarded. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the end of the story. <laughs> well, I think that's a great place to end. And congratulations. This book sounds like it was a pretty big project for you, not just the trip itself, but then unpacking what it all means and then putting it all together. And I, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, being a field photographer, but yet, you know, you put out this photography book and uh, it obviously has got stories and everything like that with your photography in it. So anyway, congratulations on all that. Super cool. And yeah, it's always interesting to see how, yeah, where life takes people after an experience like this. Very much appreciate your time and sharing your experiences around this. And uh, just just to remind people, you want to let everybody know the title of the book and where they can get it and all that good stuff, or just let people know where they can find your work. Yep, th- th- and and thanks, Jason. I appreciate you having me on the show. It's been awesome. And um, yeah, the, the book is called The Silk Road to Happiness. Um, it's on Amazon. It's an ebook, um, and, and I've actually all all proceeds I've, uh, I've I'm donating to um, an organization called Mentoring.org. So it's a it's a mentor program that that helps uh, you know young people across the U.S. Uh, you know find their purpose and reach their potential. So um, hey, if you don't like the book, <laughs> uh, at least you know it will it will go to a good cause, right? Um, but yeah, and you know add me on LinkedIn. My name's Will Rickard, um, or add me on Instagram. Read the book. I'd love your feedback. And oh, and I'm hiring as well when it comes to so if you, anyone who listens to this podcast and works in sales, you know, just <laughs> ping me on LinkedIn and then and, and, and you and, give and us any. Talk. Oh, I guess they can they can look there and find the details. Yeah, yeah they can look there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, throwing it out there. Just thought I'd throw, throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, wait a minute, my I just went into sales mode for a second. All right, let me get out of there. Now. <laughs> well, we can let you get some coffee now, man. I don't know if you're going back to bed or or you're too charged nah, up. No, I'm, uh, I'm so awake now. <laughs> all right, good. So yeah, no. mission accomplished, man. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thanks. There you go. Thank you once again to Will for stopping by the show. Congrats on the book and congrats on taking the time for yourself just to explore such an important topic for your life. You know, it's, it's I don't know. Sometimes life can just kind of sneak away from you, right? If we don't make time and space for these bigger picture, important things, these questions, these big questions. I mean, that's, it's no secret if you listen to the show. You know, it's one of the the big, I'd say super sneaky things about travel is when you decide to do it and make some big life changes to do it, you're forced to face all these important questions and bigger questions, really. And, and what it comes down to, I mean, in some ways, yes, it comes down to happiness, right? Or, or contentedness or creating a more fulfilling 
life for yourself, whether that's the lifestyle or a career change. It all ties in, right? And it's important to make space for ourselves to figure out what some of these things mean and answer some of these bigger questions. It's not like we have to put ourselves into an existential crisis every time we're unhappy or or not feeling good about things. But, you know, if days, I should say weeks go by, maybe, you know, a few days here or there, but then it's weeks and months and you're just not feeling good, it's time to start asking yourself some questions, right? And we all have to do that. And it's important to not just ask the questions, but give ourselves the space to answer them. And I think that's one of the many magical things that travel can do it kind of forces that space for a lot of us, right? And it's cliche to say, oh, well, you can go out and, and you find yourself when you're traveling. Uh, and, and I think that happens a lot in some ways, but it's also, it might be just because we're giving ourselves the mental space and, and, some, and the physical space, I guess, to, to get in touch with ourselves in that way. We can do that from anywhere, but travel kind of accelerates that or, or, or creates a, an environment for that if you will. And then you have all the external stimulus and, and, and the things that, you know, you're, you're soaking in from the world that make you, you know, give, give you new perspectives and sometimes make you question everything. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating, fascinating topic, happiness. So thank you for taking the time to explore that with Will and I today. I hope you enjoyed listening in on our conversation. I mentioned at the top of the show, this whole idea of an anti-bucket list right? And maybe after listening to the interview, you know what I'm talking about because Will didn't know jack squat about the stands, any of these countries he was going to. In fact, that was one of the reasons why it seems like he picked those because he didn't know anything about them. And he's like, you know what? I just heard about these places and I'm just going to go check it out. I'm not reading any guidebooks or anything. And I call this the anti-bucket list approach because I'd say more often than not, it, it's kind of about where you want to go, right? That's that's what we're looking at. That's what we're targeting when we're figuring out a trip. Well, we're going to spend money on a plane ticket. We're going to you know, want to see the things that we want to see, the things that are on our bucket list, the things that we've been dreaming about seeing. I want to hike to Machu Picchu. I want to look at the Sistine Chapel. You know, these were some of my things that, uh, that I've gotten I've been fortunate enough to do. And they were things that were not necessarily on a list, but they were in my head, right? They were things that I wanted to see in the world and experience. But there's something awesome also about doing the anti-bucket list thing, right? Going to a place just because it's random. It's there. You don't know anything about it. That you have no agenda. You have no expectations. You, You literally are just going in with a blank slate, that is pretty magical. I could be setting yourself up for some travel magic there. It's, it might not be everybody's cup of tea. Maybe they just can't get their head around the idea of parting with money uh, for a plane ticket or whatever and, and not going to XYZ place they've been thinking about forever. I get that. But I think this is something we should all at least try once in our lives right? I've done it naturally on on the road through my own travels and, and working these travel jobs and stuff, kind of ending up in these places that I didn't really expect to. But to go out of your way on a plane and just land in a place just because is a really cool thing, I think, for, for life and, and, and for a travel experience. So I just wanted to highlight that, give Will some props for just taking off to a place he knew nothing or places he knew nothing about 
And there's something about that lack of research that it's part of the travel experience that you have, right? In that case, it's going to tie in and it's going to be different. So if you're listening to this and this resonates or you end up doing this, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can always get in touch. You know where to find me, travel.com. I do want to give a shout out here to somebody who emailed me about a week ago, Daniel. What's up? He wrote me a short email. He said, beach shots and travel. He said, Jason, the best we can do till the pandemic subsides in terms of travel is bike to the beach in Boca Raton. Here are a few shots. I listened to your podcast on my way to and from the beach about 14 miles. Have a good day, Dan. You know, just just laying it out there. And he sent me a couple pictures of the beach down in Florida. And, you know, I, I, I told him, I wrote back, I said, man, I can smell the ocean through these pictures. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I can. I can feel the ocean breeze. I can smell the ocean. I can feel the warm air. And that was really sweet. It's always nice when people take the time uh, to, yeah, like send me a message like this, send some pictures, let me know where you're listening. You can do that too. Hint, hint. You can do that as well. It's a, it's a treat. It's a treat, especially being in uh, in Norway here where it's it's cold a lot of days. So thank you, Dan, for letting me know I'm keeping you company on the bike ride and sending me those shots of the beach. Really very much appreciated. And I encourage anybody to get in touch. Also, because this is a community-powered show and I want your feedback if you have any guests or topics you want me to cover or have on, I should have said that the reverse way, <laughs> then you just... Drop me a line or leave me a voice message. Let me know and I'll do my best to accommodate you. Okay, I am going to reach into my little quote drawer and leave you with some inspiration today. Random one pulled out from Ram Das, who said, we are all just walking each other home. We are all just walking each other home. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Smile, take a chance today. Do an anti-bucket list trip maybe. I don't know. And uh, thanks for your time. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.